Hi, Timmy Whispers here from Gimme the Hot Sauce Podcast. The two-way V4 features groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam, creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Fuel cell gives you the ultimate energy return, ensuring every step feels explosive and dynamic. Fresh foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort for the entire game. The upper construction features a lightweight textile that reduces weight while remaining supportive and breathable. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, three-year, 30,000-mile complimentary maintenance, and America's best warranty. Ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. America's best warranty claim based on total package of warranty programs. See dealer for limited warranty details. Complimentary maintenance included Hyundai approved oil and oil filter change, except for electric vehicles and fuel cell electric vehicles, plus tire rotation, normal factory schedule maintenance intervals for three years or 36,000 miles, whichever comes first. More frequent maintenance due to severe driving conditions or conditions is excluded. Offer valid only for new 2020 or 2024 Hyundai models purchased or leased on or after February 1st, 2020. See your Hyundai dealer for further details and limitations. Give me the hot sauce. Give me the hot sauce. Wow, it's Master John on the mix. That unmistakable music tells you it's time for the Gimme the Hot Sauce podcast. We've reached a milestone, episode 20. We are now on YouTube, so you can watch and join in on all the fun. Everybody wave to the folks on YouTube. We're also welcoming Pandora. Timmy Whispers has been busy on the business side, adding Pandora to our stable of podcast carriers. So we welcome them aboard. Look forward to some great promotions in the weeks ahead. It is episode 20, and coming up a little bit later in the show, we have one of Stacy's good friends from his playing days. B.J. Armstrong is going to join the show, talk about breaking into the league with Stacy in 1989. Stories about uh, carrying bags and all everything the rookies have to do. Did they make you do that, Stacy? Yes, we did, did have to uh, carry bags, yes, yes. We did a lot of rookie hazing type yeah. of things. And then finally we boycotted. <laughs> we refused to do it anymore. It was, uh, I remember distinctly it was in Washington and normally when you know we're shooting around the balls are all over the place and then Phil said rookies go grab the balls and then Michael Jordan decided to kick one up into the second tier <laughs> and said go get it rook and yeah, that's, that's when that's I had that's, playing, that's yeah. when I that's when I drew the line in the sand <laughs> uh, we, we, was getting, we was getting ready to throw down I'm not doing it not easy being a rookie on, on a contending team is it no, I mean you pay your dues. I mean every rookie did it. You know, I, I felt bad for for Horace and Scotty because they got they got abused. I mean they literally could have called nine one one. Charles Oakley really just beat the crap out of them. So we didn't we didn't have any we didn't have any veterans like that. Right. We had nurturing veterans like they just come over to my house for dinner. You know, Bill Cart, come over to my house for dinner. You know, Pax and let's go have some lunch. We didn't have somebody like beating us up and us hiding under the beds or hiding in the locker room. You know, so. We want to thank our great sponsors at Bubble Up. They are the cloud reimagined. Bubble Up is the new way to visually organize any kind of content all in one place. So make sure to download the Bubble Up app today and get to work. And our stable is here. You can see them on our 
YouTube feed. Timmy Whispers is back from his whispers, Florida whispers. sojourn. The Stinger, John Walsh is here as well as Southside Susie is going to weigh in. St. Patrick's Day, belated. Yeah, and the bar is uh, ready to go. Yeah, we're we're still celebrating. We're still celebrating. What are we (laughs) We go for two more weeks. What are we serving tonight? King's got some special Uh, items. You know, my special drink is the the snake bite with uh, Guinness (laughs) and uh, apple, hard apple cider. I've already had a couple of them right now. (laughs) I'm lucky to be here doing the show. We got to get Stacy re-energized. He's a little bit logy. Yeah, we got to. Exactly. <laughs> and we also. Nobody Southside. knows how dry I am. Yeah, Southside's got a drink special too. The black velvet. The black velvet and that's champagne and Guinness. Wow. I'm oh, going to go with traditional special. black and tan. Just yeah. the bass and Guinness and Timmy. Cold beer. Cold, cold beer. <laughs> Timmy, you got any uh, top memory from your week in Florida? You look a little bit red, a little bit sunburned. Uh, yeah, just like a lobster. A of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Larry the lobster. It's all red over here. <laughs> 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 you got some butter? Well, Irish skin, you got to put the 500 on it. <laughs> and, you know, try to stay protected. <laughs> it took us forever to light him, I'm telling you. It's yeah. not easy. <laughs> Well, let's talk about the week that was for the Bulls. A busy week, a five-game homestand to start the second half of the season. Two losses to start against some undermanned teams in Philadelphia and Miami. Every team that came through, Stacey, was missing key guys. So I think from that aspect, two and three a little bit disappointing. Yeah, you know what? I mean, you know, everybody's going to have guys missing all season long. It's it's been It's been going on since the start of the season. So you have to play the games that are there, and you have to win the games when they're winnable. And, you know, they, they had a little nice little stretch there where, you know, they made a couple of adjustments as far as the starting lineup is concerned. Uh, getting off to better starts has been, been been probably the biggest problem for them all season long. Finally got some energy in that starting lineup with Sato and Thad, and they were rolling there for a second. Yeah, Patrick Williams had the game where he scored 23 points, and then he kind of went back into his shell. It's As we mentioned earlier, it's tough being a rookie in the NBA. What's it going to take for him to be more consistent on a nightly basis and realize at 6'8", 225, I can finish through people. I can score if I go hard to the rim. It's going to take him some time. He's on a team right now with, you know, there's a good mix of veterans, and then it's really Zach Levine's team. Um, and I think he's just trying to find where he fits in. And I think he just needs to understand that he's talented enough and has the ability to be one of the mainstays here in Chicago. He could be a cornerstone because he has the physical tools. When you look at him at 19 years old, six foot eight, 225 pounds, he's shown you this year in stretches and spurts that he could be very good. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just a matter of just getting confidence and going out there and just doing what he does best. Now, you got to remember, he was the sixth man on a very good Florida State team. And he had to find his way in that team, too. So that's just a little carryover, I think, from his college team. You mentioned the change in the starting lineup. Billy Donovan obviously got tired of seeing the team get off to slow starts and have to dig their way out of a big hole. So he benched a couple of the young guys and Wendell Carter Jr. and Kobe White and put Thad Young in the starting lineup as well as Tomas Sadaransky. And what Thad does for me is he, you know, his ability to pass out of that mid post really opens up the entire offense. Well, he also gives him scoring inside. You know, he's very, I mean, he's, he's shooting a career high, you know, almost 80% in the paint. And, you know, going back to last year, that's why it's so crazy when you think about it. He's a career 69% shooter within the paint area. Last year was his lowest he's ever shot. And that was based because of the the scheme that they were using. You know, Jim Boylan had him at the three-point line standing out there. He's not a three-point shooter. 
He can take some shots, but he's not a three-point shooter. So you kind of took him away from his element last year where he was posting up and he liked to take advantage of matchups. And give Billy Donovan a lot of credit. Billy Donovan did his homework on Thaddeus Young. He knows Thaddeus Young. He's put him in positions to be successful. And Thaddeus... Probably last year, he probably wouldn't tell you this, but he wasn't having fun playing last year. You know, 13th year in the league, and then you were told you're going to be a starter here, you're going to be a main contributor, and then it didn't work out. And then you maybe start to question yourself. Maybe it's time to hang it up. Maybe, maybe you know, I need to ask for a trade. But he never did that. He was professional. He kept working. He was a leader on the floor, in the locker room. And now he's getting his chance. And for all the people who kept saying, oh, Thad, he's terrible. He's washed up. <laughs> no, he's not. It was just, it's, I'm telling you, system and coaching is two big things that can help a person's career. Yeah, he kind of went from a guy that Bulls fans were wondering, why do they give this guy three years, $42 million to, can we re-sign him and have him forever? And that's the way the, the fan base can be a little bit fickle. And we saw what happened again in the San Antonio game. Thad got off to a great start in his 1,000th NBA game. Wow. He was scoring like crazy. Wow. And then all of a sudden, second half rolls around, and they stopped playing. No ball movement, no player movement, and, and a lot of iso ball. And, and the guards were not making three-point shots, and they really let San Antonio get back in the game and steal a win they had no business winning. Well, you're definitely right. They had no business winning that game. They were, In my opinion, they were ready to fold it up because they were not hitting any shots. They were struggling. Uh, DeJounte Murray couldn't knock a shot down, couldn't get a layup to go. You could see the frustration. Uh, the one guy that kept him in the game was Portal, the big kid. You know, mm -hmm. He shot seven for seven at one point. He kept them within striking distance. They were still down 20, 23 points. But he, he, gave, he gave them some, some scoring inside that kind of slowed the tempo down a little bit. Um, and what really happened, to be honest with you, was is that, you know, when, when Billy Donovan goes to that second unit, now you're taking off two of your best players off that second unit. Yeah, and who, Temple's yeah, out too. Because they're one of the best benches in the league when Sato mm -hmm. and Thad is in that second unit. Now you're taking that group off who gives you energy every night, and you're taking those two guys and you're you know putting them in that starting lineup, and they're giving the starters energy. Now, where do you get that energy now on that second team? Who comes up and plays those roles that Sato and Thad plays? Because you got Garrett Temple out right now. So you got Otto Porter who just came back from injury. He's trying to get his legs underneath them. You know, Kobe White and Wendell Carter really should be the mainstays of that second unit. But the problem with those two guys is, is that, you know, sometimes when you get benched and you get taken out of the lineup, you take it personally. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not personally. You have to look at your performance. You know, when you're not doing what you're supposed to do and you're not out there, you know, helping your team and you force the coach after, you know, Wendell's had 126 you know, straight starts. You've had a lot of time to go out there and be aggressive. You've had a lot of time yeah. to show them what you could do. And this year, for whatever reason, new coach, new attitude, you know, he's giving you the green light. He's telling you to shoot. He's saying be aggressive. And then all of a sudden you go out there and you're passive and you're not giving the team anything offensively or defensively. And it just puts them in a hole. It's an alarming trend though, to see another big man. This guy was 20 and 16 portal that you mentioned we're seeing a lot of big men come in well and tony bradley did it when Embiid was out game, right. had a big game against yeah the Bulls. and now we got Jokic yeah. coming up so i mean that yeah interior oh. defense is an issue oh, oh. oh. <laughs> Jokic. Woo. oh. Wait, i'll tell you right 
<laughs> I think you like that button way too much right there. Okay, buddy. Okay. Hey, I think you like that button like way that button. too much. I like that button. You know what I always thought button. was really funny on the broadcast yesterday with you and Adam Amin? We were talking about Popovich, you know, growing his hair out. Oh, and beard, all man. He, he, he looked like a poor man's Pat Riley. I mean, Pat Riley hey. slicked back, and it looked like he'd wandered in you off remember, the street. Remember, remember this show? Uh, remember the show to HBO was uh, The Crypt Keeper? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, remember that? The little Crypt Keeper with the long blonde hair? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's a great podcast. I couldn't say it on air yesterday, but I wanted to. I held my tongue. I can say it now on the podcast, but he looked like the little Crip Keeper on Tales of the Crypt or something. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. But some, hey, long hair ain't for everybody. If you yeah. just threw a headband on, that might have might have been able to rock that a little bit. Ponytail, maybe? Or During something. the first half, he, he almost looked like a mummy standing over there. He wasn't oh. really saying much. His guys were getting pounded, and, and he was like, well, we'll take the L. We'll move on to the next city. I think they play Milwaukee next. So he's yeah, like, do. we're going to stay in the Midwest, yeah. and you know, I'll, I'll just to enjoy some Chicago food and nah, a nice glass of wine. And no, they came I, back I, you though. know what? You know, one thing I, I, I said about, you know, Greg Popovich and, you know, and I think he's helped Tom Thibodeau in this, in this regard is, is that he has changed with the time. You know, this is a guy, it was his, his way or the highway, the San Antonio Spurs way. You had guys like David Robinson, Tim Duncan, they all fell in line, Manu mm -hmm. Ginobili, Tony Parker, all those guys, Sean Elliott, all those guys fell in line to that tactic of coaching. But this new generation of guys are not going for that. Right. So you have to change and adapt the way you coach to the, the talent that you have now. Because back then, you could yell at Tim Duncan. You could yell at David Robinson and get them to answer the bell. Some of these kids in this, this new NBA, if you yell at them, they're looking for their mom. I mean, seriously, <laughs> they're, they're looking. They're, their feelings mom. get hurt. They take it personally. Instead of going out there saying, hey, my coach wants me to get better. This is why he's telling me this. They're like, the coach doesn't like me. I want to be traded. And Pop will be the coach for the U.S. national team at the Olympics this summer. One of the news items since we talked to you last, Zach Levine was named as one of the guys who will be in the player pool. But there's like 50-some players that could be involved. But, you know, the guys that get to the finals, if it's the Lakers and the Nets, let's say, that's going to take five, five guys that would have definitely made the Olympic team out of that pool. So I don't know if Zach has a good chance or – a decent chance, but it's nice to be named and to be recognized by your peers. Well, he should have been named a couple of seasons ago. Mm -hmm. You know, when they put that pool together, um, you know, they left him off. Um, Zach clearly is a top 15 player in this league. Clearly, this year especially. So I think now he's being recognized as being one of those players. Now, whether he makes the team or not, I, I don't know. It just all depends on what they're looking for. But you know they're going to go with the superstar players because it, it has nothing to do with – you know, basically winning. Because you can put any team, NBA team out there, and they're going to win. It doesn't matter who it is. You could leave LeBron James off, and you could put Lonzo Ball in there. They're going to win. They're going to win regardless. Right. So what it comes down to is marketing. You know, the guys who are going to bring in the big bucks. Yeah. And so you want LeBron James there. You want Kevin Durant there. You know, and that's why it's so unfair to guys like Zach is because they don't have that marquee name that really sells tickets globally. You know, not I mean, Chicago's great. He's big in Chicago, and he might be big where he's from in Washington, but he doesn't move the needle, per se, globally like some of these other guys, Kyrie Irving, you know, these big-name superstars. A guy like Derrick Rose, if they took Derrick Rose, he moves the needle globally. I mean, he's huge in China. So, you know, that that's where it comes down to at the end of the day. Tim, you awake over there? I, uh, <laughs> I, was, I was just completely entranced by what he was saying. Oh, my God. Agreeing uh, agree with everything. Uh, wow. Oh, my God. I mean, sometimes I just say, wow. 
I, I, I didn't know he was there. I was like, look over. Did Dim leave? And I looked over. Oh, there he is. Yeah. yeah. YouTube captures everything. Was, yeah. Was, yeah. I was, I was just dreaming again. <laughs> Don't wake me. I'm dreaming. From that song? Oh. Hey, John was Gold working pipes. the uh, the Sixers Bucks game yesterday, yeah. and there was a, a little bit of a mini controversy at the end where uh, Milwaukee wins the game in overtime after coming back from what seventeen points down. Yeah, and Giannis sits down on the court to Big celebrate. Mistake. Yeah, yeah, and Big and, mistake. and Dwight right. Howard, who's the king of goofing around over his yeah. entire career, got all upset about it. Said he's yeah. gonna go stone cold Steve Austin on him. Big mistake. Yeah. That, that's gonna come back and haunt them if they if they meet up. You know, they listen. <laughs> Philadelphia, me and John were talking about this earlier today. Philadelphia is going to be a tough out yeah, they will. when it comes down to it. When you get Embiid there, and no one in the, no one in the Eastern Conference can match up with Embiid as the center, okay? And then you throw in a guy like Ben Simmons who can take your best player out defensively. He can guard Giannis by himself. He did it last night and really kind of frustrate him a little bit. But I, I don't see – I think that was a bad idea. That was kind of like when they um, – when T.O. and them went on the, the Dallas Ooh. Cowboy and, and, you know, went on the, on the, the emblem yeah, at, midfield. at center midfield. Yeah, you, you, can't, you can't do that, man. You can't do that. And one of the things that was painful in the post-game press conference was uh, Giannis was showing that he embraced Philadelphia by having a Philly cheesesteak, and he had problems with the, the cheese – yeah, calling it whiz 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 is it yeah. whiz whiz yeah. well you know it was wee, a kind wee. of an uncomfortable moment he's, he's having fun that's what he says you know he had yeah. 28 in the second half after only having four but will he have fun when yeah. the playoffs start uh, yeah well I mean you know like I said yeah he, you know he he's well, the Bucks, make him shoot the Bucks made yeah. a move they, they acquired PJ Tucker oh. in a trade with Houston but PJ is going to be 36 in May he's having a bad season I don't know that he tips the Listen, scales in any direction towards the me Bucks. Me and John were talking about this today. <laughs> you did okay. the show before you got yeah, here. We did. Show, yeah, you know, the, he's the, a producer. Oh, my yeah, gosh. The, the show before the show. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so listen, I, I like P.J. Tucker. I, I like I like the fact that he's a tough guy. He brings yeah. toughness to him, which Milwaukee will need at some point. But he doesn't. I, I, I'm the needle. I'm the needle mover. He does not move the needle. Yeah. And and you know I, I look at Milwaukee as being, you know, where they get in trouble is that. And I mean, John, we're talking about this today. Giannis wants to play all five positions. Number one. Okay. You've got Drew Holiday, who's a very good mm -hmm. point guard. Very good. You got to put the ball in Drew's hand and let him get other guys shots. It's hard for Giannis to get people shots. Giannis can make the basic play. If someone comes towards him, he sees the double, he can make the pass. But in the playoffs where he struggles is is when they are mixed coverages, when they're coming from different angles. They're not coming from the basic place where he saw during the regular season when he was able to make those adjustments. Now they're coming from the left, the right, they're coming on dribble, they're coming on two dribbles, you know. And when he comes up the floor, they're attacking him, making him give the ball up early, forcing turnovers. So if he's going to get past, you know, the second round and get to the, the Eastern Conference Finals, I believe they've got to let Drew Holiday be the point guard. They've got to let him set up the game and get the ball and distribute to the right people. He's absolutely right. I don't know how much of a ceiling is left with Giannis. I mean... He has he's come such a long way, and he's the free throw shooting has been. He improved. still wants to take that three point shot. Though. I know he took that one in overtime, which he made. Yeah, and I'm thinking, what are you but, doing? Because the teams just are daring him to shoot that shot. The issue, like he mentioned, you got Simmons and Bead. You got the three in New Jersey, and I think yeah. you know here we are Brooklyn. Excuse me, but now you know, like you said, Holiday, Middleton, they're going to have to really step up. I mean, how, you know, Middleton was 0 for 4 from 3, had 15 points. It was Devin Chenzo last night.
that's what I think they need. Giannis is kind of can do everything, but somebody else needs to step up and really be a superstar. You know, another team that's been hot in the East is the Miami Heat. They got Jimmy Butler back from the ankle injury. They lost last night, but they won like nine of the last 11. I saw something interesting that, that Jimmy was, during the game, was trying to help R.J. Barrett out, saying on this move, when you go to the basket, you got to lean into me in order to try to draw the foul. He's doing this during the game. Did you ever have a vet helping you out during a game? And helping the opposing player yeah, out. Yeah. Whoa. Oh wow! You know, I mean, you know what? Jimmy's a nice dude. I, I would, <laughs> I would never. To sell yeah, some coffee yeah. too. You know what? Maybe, maybe he was trying to soften him up and make it look like you know I'm helping you, and then right. and then I'm gonna kill, kill you later <laughs> on. You know what I'm saying? That's stuff like Michael would do. You know, so maybe Jimmy took a page out of MJ's book. Let me butter him up a little bit, soften him up, and then fourth quarter kill him. You know, who knows? I mean, but he's a I mean, he's a Thibodeau guy, and he's probably talking to him about you know Thibodeau and how to play with Tom Thibodeau and. So, I mean, there could have been a lot of, you know, a lot in that conversation. <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets are on a, a big run with Kevin Durant. With, the news is that he's going to be out a couple more weeks with that hamstring strain. And, and James Harden is going back to his Houston mentality of doing everything, putting up 40-point triple-doubles and leading the league in assists. Is, is he in that MVP conversation even after what happened early in the season in oh, Houston? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, what he did last night against Indiana. I mean, you know, single-handedly, beat Indiana by himself on the road, you know, and he's, he's a triple double waiting to happen. You know, a lot of people didn't think that him and Kyrie would be able to play together. They're actually showing that they both can play together because James Harden is being the primary ball handler as a point mm -hmm. guard. And Kyrie now gets to be the scoring guard. He gets to come off single doubles and all the little bit pieces that are around those guys are really playing well. Joe Harris is having a tremendous season. He's getting, he's probably getting more wide open jump shots than he's had in his career. He you know, was five playing, to seven. You know, playing night. with yeah. these guys. I mean, he's wide open. I mean, because yeah. you can't, you got to double Kyrie. You got to double James Harden. And when, when you know, Kevin Durant comes back, you got to you got to guard him. Then you got Blake Griffin. And you got, you know, you may get, you know, Drummond. Or you may get LaMarcus Aldridge. There's so many other possibilities that yeah. they may get. They're not done wheeling and dealing. Because they are, they are gearing their team to the championship. They feel mm -hmm. like they got enough right now to win the East. But they are gearing for the Lakers. They are they are putting their team together for the Lakers. Another team in the East that's been playing well is the Charlotte Hornets. Lamelo Ooh. Ball is the runaway yeah. favorite for the Rookie of the Year, and not only that, but I think he's going to be a big time impact player in this league for a lot of years to come. And I know the the Bulls are happy with Patrick Williams, but you're thinking, wow, I wish I would have got that guy. I think a lot of teams are saying that. You know, a lot of teams thought that he was a gimmick. A lot of teams thought his, the competition that he played, his shot selection. Uh, I mean, I'm going to tell you one thing about this kid, and I, I, I called this about this kid. This kid has been playing up since he's in the sixth grade, playing with, like, high school kids. You can only get better by playing against older competition. And, and this is a kid who has a lot of swag to him. He's very confident in his ability. I heard where they, you know, they talked about, you know, changing his shot. You know, yeah, you know, they talked about changing my shot. He goes, I've been shooting like this my whole life, and it's been going in. I'm not changing my shot. Whereas his brother let the – he was making those shots in high school, and they, they got with his shot and changed it. And, you know, he changed it because of the pressure from, you know, coaching staffs. But I give LaMelo credit. LaMelo, LaMelo looks like, like Pete Maravich out yeah, there. Yeah, he Seriously. Does. Like, he looks <laughs> like the second coming of Pete Maravich. I mean, the passes he makes are not just routine – you know, behind the back pat. I mean, they got flair to him. Talk about a guy you can market. Yeah. yeah. 
You were talking about pressure earlier. You know what pressure is when you're a teenager, should be in high school, and your dad says you're going to go play in Eastern Europe with 35-year-old guys with you know, beards yeah. and yeah. cages yeah. around the court and stuff. Yeah. I mean, he, he learned He's the hard LeBron. Run. They're playing. Aren't they playing the Lakers yeah, coming tonight. up? Yeah, tonight. tonight. Wow. But you know what, though? I mean, this is a kid, like I said, like he has seen and done everything at a young age. You know, got taken from his high school team. He gets thrown over to, you know, Yugoslavia to play with a bunch of old men that had hairy backs and all that other stuff <laughs> over there. You know, gym quality players. Not really, like, the top division. Right. but And that's why everybody was talking. Well, he hasn't really played against anybody. He's playing against, like, C-level competition. Then he came back over and he went to that Spire High School where they played kind of like a mm -hmm. barnstorming type thing and, and really looked good playing that. And then, next thing you know, he goes over to, was it Australia. New Australia? Yeah. Yeah. And he goes over there and he tears up that league. Mm -hmm. And so people started taking him serious. <clears throat> and then he went, he grew like three, three or four inches. He grew. Like he went from like a 6'2, 6'3, 6'4 kid to 6'8. And now he's a point guard at six foot eight doing the things that he's doing. And that team looks like a totally different team when he's on the floor with them. Everybody runs hard. Everybody cuts hard. Everybody understands that if, I, if I'm running on transition, he's going to get me yeah. the ball. We're going to have B.J. Armstrong in just a minute. But before we bring B.J. in, I want to ask you, the trade deadline is next Thursday, March 25th. Do you anticipate the Bulls making any moves at all? It's hard, it's hard to say. I mean, unless you're, unless you're moving an expiring contract. Um, you know, because you don't really, the Bulls really don't want anything back unless it's beneficial to them. You don't want to take another contract on. You don't right. want an albatross type deal. So they, they're, they're, they're in a good position right now, honestly. I know fans want to see them do something different. And, you know, but you got to remember, you know, Arturis and Mark, you know, there's only two guys on this team that they got. Right. You know, they didn't bring all these other people on. So they're evaluating. They're taking their time. And they should. They need to see if Zach and Lowry can play together. Is Kobe a point guard? Is, is you know, do we keep, you know, you know Thaddeus Young or Thomas uh, Sanaraski? They're, they're evaluating all these guys. And it may take the whole year because based off of COVID, they didn't get a chance to look at any of these guys. They didn't get a chance to study any of these guys. This is the first time they really got during when the season started, preseason, and then the regular season, that they got a chance to actually – evaluate this talent it's going to be interesting to see if any of the contenders make a major move before march 25th a lot of teams trying to catch up to brooklyn in the east and the lakers in the west we'll see what kind of trades we'll probably have another uh, podcast coming up before the trade deadline next thursday but coming up next here on the give me the hot sauce podcast episode 20 stacy's good friend and former teammate with the bulls bj armstrong joins us you're going to want to listen to that Welcome back to episode 20 of Gimme the Hot Sauce. And now we want to welcome in this week's special guest. He broke into the NBA with Stacey King back in 1989, the pride of the Iowa Hawkeyes. B.J. Armstrong joining the show. B.J., thanks for being with us tonight. Oh, Mark, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure with my man, Stacey King. I mean, I'm just so excited to be on the show today. You guys have one of the greatest podcasts I've really? heard. Oh, it, it's fabulous. And you know what? It's a treat because playing with Stacy, it was the greatest. He made the road trips the great. That's the only thing that I miss in the NBA are the road trips because Stacy King was he was the best. He was the best of the best. He made every road trip entertaining. 
You never knew what he was going to say. <laughs> Stacy is the reason that I am so conscientious of what I wear because I knew he was going to talk about my shoes, my socks, my, my clothes. <laughs> Everything was, was fair game with him. And I just wanted to be with him on the bus. So I feel like this is me reliving those times that I get a chance to spend an hour because the only thing I miss in the NBA is the arena to the to the airport because that was Stacy King's time and he was going to go after everybody and nobody <laughs> load the was clip limits. load the clip <laughs> <laughs> and what you guys see on television because he does a incredible job that's just so toned down to what he really his stand up act that he was doing back in the eighties and the nineties was it was meant. And I, and I just, so it's a pleasure to be here. So I'm going to turn it over to Stacy because I know he's going to go after me somehow. He's, no, he's I'm not going after me. you. Gonna... No, you're my boy. You're my man. You, you, you're my boy. You're my son, oldest son's godfather. I'm not going to go at you like that, man. You're my boy, man. Hey, tell, tell, <laughs> tell, the, tell the listeners, Beach, uh, you know, what you've been up to lately. They like to know what you've been up to. Everybody here in Chicago loves you. They always want to know. When I when I was advertising, you're going to be on the show. They want to know what you're doing. You know what you think about the Hawkeyes. There's so many things that people want to know about you. So start with that. Yeah, well, uh, since my playing days, uh, you know, I worked in the front office for a little bit there in Chicago, and somehow, some way, I started representing players. So I've been doing that for the last 15 years or so, and um, you know, life is good. I can't complain. I'm still around the business. Still, you know learning about the business as it's evolving players, the league, uh, from when we first started, you know, when we first started playing, when we came in here in the late eighties. And, uh, so all is good, married, three kids, uh, just, you know, doing what I do. So, uh, living on the West coast is, it's been, uh, you know, a little different growing up a kid from the city of Detroit. And I remember when Stacy would always shout out L.A., you know, from being there from Lawton, you know, <laughs> Lawton <laughs> area, baby, me. L.A., baby. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was shouting out L.A. back in the 80s. I was like, where are you from? Los Angeles. He's like, nah, from Lawton. <laughs> 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 when I, whenever I see big L.A. signs, I always think of Stacy. you know, there's something that always brings me back to him because that man there has been putting a smile on my face. And uh, I'm so happy for him knowing his kids and uh, now he gets a chance to see what we all saw for years on the back of the bus, being in the locker room <laughs> and he gets a chance to do that uh, here in, in your home. So uh, it's a treat to be here and be with my man, the King. That's what we call him. The King, baby. <laughs> That's what we call him. Hey, we, we asked Stacy at the top of the show, what's it like for a rookie in the NBA? You know, all the hazing things that go on. But you joined a team that was ready to do some great things. You know, they had Michael and Scotty and Horace, and they had Bill Cartwright and other veterans. What was it like for you and Stacy to have to break into that group? Because Phil Jackson, people think of him as the, as the Zen master, but uh, Stacy's told us uh, he could be pretty rough on you guys. Yeah, well, Mark, you know, I, I was I knew I was coming on today. I want to bring something that I've kept my <laughs> entire career. No, this this picture means a lot to me. I don't know if you guys can see it here. Yeah. I don't know if you guys can see this picture here. This was the very Tilt it first down a day. Bit. This is the big can you guys Perfect. see? It? Oh, yeah, there we yep. go. Okay. This was I got the very same picture. first day that Stacy and I Look and Jeff Sanders, we all met in Chicago after we got drafted. And I've kept this picture. Because I came into the league with those guys and 
Stacy and I, here we are 30 some years later, still laughing. And that picture's always meant something to me. So for me to, my, my, as I was embarking on my career and didn't know where it was going to take me, didn't know what I was going to do. I just remember those were the first guys that I met with and those were my brothers and they always meant something to me. And I've always kept that picture. And, uh, you know, my, my, my kids now, they always make fun of me. They're like, Dad, you guys couldn't get a clear picture. Where's the picture? <laughs> it's black and white. It was like, what color was that suit? <laughs> <laughs> it looked like one of those old Western wanted posters. Dead yeah, alive. exactly. So what was it like? You know what? I, I, I got a chance and still to this day to be friends. And I made some great friends along the way. And, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I was just a young kid. Mark, I would love to tell you that I knew what I was coming to. I didn't know. I, I knew what the NBA was about. I didn't know. Um, I knew Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan. I didn't know that either. I didn't know Scottie Pippen was, I didn't know these guys were, you know, I didn't feel Jackson's first year was our first year. I didn't know he was going to go on to be the Zen master and all those things. I had no idea. But what I did know is that, um, I came in with some other guys, Stacy and Jeff, and, uh, I leaned on those guys a lot as a, as a young player, you know, and we were all going through the same things. And uh, we had a lot of fun along the way. We worked hard, but, you know, we all just kind of figured it out. And here we are. I'm on uh, Give Me the Hot Sauce, you know, podcast <laughs> with my friend, still laughing. <laughs> and, and I know he's got some great jokes. He's being calm right now. Yeah. He's already, he's, oh. I know he's got something to say. No, so I'm, getting all my, I'm getting all my little talking in early because I, <laughs> I know the king. He's heard the podcast. Yeah, he yeah. takes the whole. He's hey, ready. listen, you know, I like y'all's ready. comments over <laughs> in the background. Okay, peanut gallery. You, you need to be quiet back here, okay? BJ can say that, but y'all can't say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so kid so I, always, I always tell people when we were rookies like i you know you know we'd get into a hotel and you know some of our little if we weren't practicing we'd always go visit every mall in almost every city we went to man we i mean it, it was like we had nothing else better to do because we we're just kids you know we we're just some young kids and Right. Uh, you know, all the other guys were married, you know, a lot of the veterans were married and, and me and BJ was just, you know, two kids coming from college. We just go visit every mall. Yeah. I mean, you know, back then we were flying commercial and carrying our own uniforms, carrying our own shoes. We had to wash our uniforms on back to back games. <laughs> so it was different times back then. You know, I just remember the King always making fun of everybody after about two or three games. Baby, those uniforms are standing up on their own. <laughs> Stacy had everybody afraid to wear their uniforms and warm ups because he was talking about everybody. He's making this up. Know? Hey, listen, listen, I wasn't that bad. No, no, that, yeah, you were that bad. You were that bad, but it kept us light. And uh, so it was just a different time. And, uh, you know, I remember those times we would get to these places and we had to take the first flight out of every single. Oh. That, was, that was tough. I remember, you know, Stacy and I would always try to help each other. If, if Stacy wasn't down, you know, I was going to call him on the phone and vice versa. So we were just trying to make it. I mean, uh, where are we going to eat? I could, I remember... I remember one trip here, we were in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, and we were staying at a Marriott or something. And, uh, you know, it was like 
there was no room service. And I remember Stacy and I, we had to walk over to like that Denny's or something <laughs> over there before the game, before we walked over to the arena, the Salt Lake Palace, the Salt Lake Palace. So here we are walking over in between the fans talking about, yeah, we're players. <laughs> yeah, they, sure you are, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, who are you guys? You know, it was like little stories like that where, you know, we just two rookies trying to figure it out before we figured out the room service and all the other things. And uh, so those, those were great times. And it was fun because I had someone else a shared experience with. And, um, you know, those were good times. BJ, you were featured in, in the Last Dance documentary. I don't know how they missed Stacy. I guess they were afraid of what he was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> they but, didn't want me on there. <laughs> it would have been called the last dance. It would have been called the last fight. It would be called Sayonara. <laughs> As he takes a draw of his Guinness. Stacy's celebrating St. Patrick's Day a day hey, late. Yeah, hey, hey we stretching out St. Patrick's Day, kid. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking for an endorsement deal, BJ. Ah. Uh. Some good stuff. I'm not even a Guinness drinker, but only on St. Patrick's Day I'll drink Guinness. Right. Or the Guinness, day after. Guinness, Guinness and uh, Angry Orchard Apple mix it half and half. Ooh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have trouble docking this boat, as, as uh, Johnny Bach used to say. Don't tell me how stormy the seas are. Just dock the boat. Oh, my goodness. So, so, so BJ, uh, tell the listeners, you know, what the transition was like for you from going from player to front office into representing players. You just glossed over the whole yeah, last dance. Yeah, the last thing, dance. Right? No one's talking about last dance right now, okay? <laughs> what are they talking about right now, okay? Right. Um, okay, we'll just gloss over the last dance. <laughs> yes. We'll just, yes. We're just going to slide right by the last dance. We can always come back. Make Next question. Turn. <laughs> All right, we'll talk about. Um, so, what was it like? Um, well, you know, Stace, you know, I was always curious and I was always curious of how this business really worked. And and, you know, no one ever took the time, at least in my inner circle, to tell me, like, how did I really get drafted? Like, what's the process? Like, you know, no one ever told me how a player really gets traded. You know, I, I, I was aware of the salary cap, but no one really sat me down and explained it, how it really worked. Uh, how does a trade really take place? So. My curiosity is what brought me to the table because I wanted to understand this world that I had, you know, suddenly came into. I, you know, I didn't know what it meant to be an NBA champion. I was there. I played. I, I tried to do my job the best I could. And all of a sudden we won. And all of a sudden I'm playing with people. They're saying this guy might be the greatest of all time. OK, well, how did that happen? And, <laughs> you know, I didn't I really didn't know. And. I, you know, like all of a sudden, you know, you're playing and, you know, the late Johnny Bach, he was telling us things. And, you know, I, I was like, OK. And text winners were saying ping. Well, what does that mean? You know, so I was just curious about the whole process that I was in. And I knew I had a glimpse of something that was rare. And, I, you know, Bill Carwright, who I know Stacy feels you know, I, I have so much gratitude towards Bill Cartwright and those veteran guys that we had on our team, right? It was John Paxson and Bill and, you know, Craig Hodges and, you know, and Charles Davis, all of those guys who were there. You know, Bill was always there to remind me of, like, how difficult this, this was. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew it wasn't rare. I knew it was very rare that we were doing because Stacy and I were in year two or three or something when we had won. So um, it was just my curiosity brought me into this. I wanted to understand it. I wanted to know what it was like to build a team. 
And um, so I, I, I went into the front office. I just wanted to know what this league was really all about. And one of my eye-opening experiences is when I left the Bulls, I got a chance to see what other organizations were about. I got a chance to see and, and, and experience other teams and players and coaches and all of those things. So it just kind of just brought me there. And I had no idea that I would eventually be here representing players, but I certainly wanted to have an understanding of the league and the teams and, and kind of like really make sense of the life I had because I didn't really – I didn't know it was happening so fast. You know, we won one championship, two championships, three championships. And all of a sudden, you know, I just wanted to really kind of get a glimpse of the world that I was in, too. And uh, I dreamed of it as a kid, but it was a reality. So I, it just didn't make sense to me because it was all happening so fast. I did want to get back to the last dance, though, because, you know, it was, you know, Michael Jordan obviously was the executive producer and the story was told through his eyes. Obviously, you and Stacy were part of the first three, Pete, but not the second three, Pete. You played against the Bulls in the playoffs and during that second three, Pete. Right. But the, the totality of the project, going through the 10 episodes and watching it, did you think it was a, a fair portrayal of that group or do you think it was maybe skewed through Michael's eyes? Well, you know, Mark, uh, you know, for better or for worse, um, when you understand the business that you're in, okay, um, then you understand the business and the media and all of those things. You know, Mark, Stacy and I got a chance to like live this. And the thing for me watching this, you know, I was laughing to myself the entire time because <laughs> I was saying to myself, God, it's always someone else's life that's like cool or exciting. I had no idea that my life was this exciting. I had no idea that all of these things were many of them that were portrayed here, you know, whether right, wrong, were really, you know, it was just part of the business. And the one thing is I understand, I understand the economics of the business that we are in. Okay. And this is a business, right? And so I don't have a problem with any of it because I understand it. I lived it. And most importantly, those people that were in that locker room, those were my friends. Those were my friends then. And these are my friends now. So what I shared with Stacey King, I know I can, I can call Stacey and ask Stacey anything. I know I can call Craig Hodges. I know I can call Horace Brett, Michael Jordan, so forth and so on. So the business is the business. And I can laugh at that, but these people mean something to me. And everyone in that unit, everyone that was in that uniform in that locker room, right, wrong, or indifferent, that's to me is what made that group special. Is that we can say things to each other, but other people can't say it. And I know if there was an issue or something, that I could call any one of my teammates, any of those coaches, and I just left it in the locker room. So to me. It's funny. Stacy and I can look at each other and we know what each other's thinking. We ain't really got to say <laughs> nothing about it. Just when I talked to MJ, it's nothing to talk about it. I understood everything that was said, but the people who are commenting about it, you weren't in that locker room. So, okay, that's fine. And the beautiful thing about our team is it's a mystery. Here we are with a franchise that won six NBA titles, all of these things, and no one's ever really said anything. And that to me is the yeah. beauty of the team. Like I don't hear Stacy saying, well, this is what happened in the locker room. No, Stay, uh, me and Stacy know me and Stacy could talk about it. 
but y'all can't talk about it. And that to me is what was said. Now, I understand why it was made. I understand how it was made. I understand the reasons it was made. That's the business that we're in. Mm -hmm. Stacey King and I understood who the star players were. and We understood who the role players were. I was a role player. So I understood my role and I understood it. Then I understand it now. And I understand the business that I work in. So, you know, okay. That's what was said. But I know if there was something that was out of place or whatever, I have, and I know every one of those guys will pick up that phone and take my call and vice versa. And so I don't have a problem with anything that was said then. I don't have a problem with anything that was said now. And, um, you know, that that was then. That was a young kid. I'm 53 now. I I don't even remember, honestly, half of the things that were said. I was like, oh, I forgot about that. I was like, oh, did that really happen? You know, my kid, the funny thing about all of this and the best thing that happened for me uh, about the about the uh, last dance was honestly, it gave my kids who weren't born at the time it verified that I actually played in the NBA because they don't, I don't think they really believe that I actually played. Yeah, so I was true. happy that they was like, okay, dad, dad might've played. I'm not sure if he superimposed yeah. himself in there. That was the greatest thing about it. And that gave them a chance to right. like really see a part of my life because I, at home, I'm just dad. No one really cared that I played or won or whatever it is we did. They like, was like, oh, like, Oh, dad had a life before before we came along. Yeah, I, I I had a life. I did I did a few things, but to me it was it was it was great business. So I, I you know I, I just had fun with it. I'm old. I, I anytime I can talk about some things, see the guys, laugh. You know, it's a good day. Let's talk a little bit about you know this new this new NBA compared to the NBA that we played in. You know, with all the three point shooting and you being such a great three-point shooter when you played because we asked Craig Hodges this too like you know what do you think you would do in this league now with the way you shoot the basketball and then Craig was like well they, the coaches the players would be mad at me because I'd be shooting every time <laughs> <laughs> so so how, how with the way you shot the basketball and the way you handled the ball what would you think you've done in this league you know Stacey uh that's a hard question I I really don't know because you know, the, the one thing that I prided myself on, Stacey, is I wanted to be a pro. I, I didn't, I, I wasn't big on like, you know, I'm the best at this, I'm the best at that. I just wanted to be a pro, right? I I, I, I wanted to be like like Bill and all of those guys. I, I just wanted to be a pro. Like when you would see like Terry Porter or the older players, I was like, man, these guys are pros. These guys do this every single night. Um. I, I think personally, my my makeup, I would I would struggle probably in today's game because I didn't have the mindset to just come down and shoot a shot. If Stacey King was open, I felt the responsibility to pass it to the guy who was open. You know, I, 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 and that's just me. So the 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 you know, the other night I was watching it was the game Denver versus uh, I think Washington. And it was a one on, they were down two at the end of the game. It was a one on four fast yep. break. And, and all of the guys were oh, yeah. to the three point yeah. line. <laughs> and I paused as I was watching the game because I was, I suddenly realized one, I'm old. And two, the game that I love and has been playing my entire life, I didn't recognize it. 
because that wasn't a natural response for me to be on a four one fast break and run to the three point line. So how do I think I would I think I would struggle in today's game because I wanted to always respect the game. And I'm not saying that the players today don't respect it. I'm just saying they play the game not with the same discipline that I learned how to play the game. So the discipline of having a good shot, but Stacey King has a better shot, that to me just seems like the right thing to do that the basketball guys would require me to do. It doesn't require me to come down and just pull up a a one-on-four-three because I'm a good three-point shooter. So as I watch the game today, my thing is like, okay, if you're a great shooter, I understand why Steph Curry is shooting threes at the rate he's shooting them. But there are a lot of your who shouldn't be shooting these threes. (laughs) (laughs) That's my problem. And I'm not saying I don't understand the analytics of the game. I'm not saying I'm that guy that's sitting on the porch. No, I get it. What I, what I, I learned how to play the game with one thing in mind to win the game. And you can't tell me that shooting three point shots at the rate that they're shooting them gives us the best chance to win the game. You can't tell me that because when you get down to the nuts and bolts of the game, it comes down to three things that Stacy and I value. You have to defend. You got to stop somebody. Yep. You got to, after that great defensive possession, you got to rebound the ball or you're still on defense. So you got to defend, you got to rebound and you have to share the ball. That's the foundation of winning basketball. Okay. So when you get done with the analytics and the PERs and true shooting percentages and all of that, the team that's going to win the championship this year is going to be, the team that defends the best, they're going to rebound the ball, limit the other teams, and they're going to share the ball with each other to get the best shot they possibly can because in the playoffs, the game is going to change. So I don't know if I would thrive in today's game just because what I did in that era because I don't know if everyone understands what I value or what we value back in that era the way I learned how to play the game. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong or indifferent. I'm just saying I don't I don't I don't think I would just come down and just pull a three. Like I can already hear Tex and Phil and these guys already <laughs> screaming at me right now. What are you like, doing? I'm, I, yeah, yeah, I can hear oh, oh little jackal. I can hear you, yeah, can, <laughs> you, you won't play for me for like like I can't imagine what that would be like. And and I can hear my high school coach screaming at me. I can hear my college coaches screaming at me. So it's just it's a different time. And, you know, and, and, and I don't know if I could like turn that off um, if I were playing in today's game. That's an honest answer. Girl. I'm yeah. just going to be honest with you. I'm shooting it. <laughs> I'm getting it up. I, I, I'm coming down, jacking up threes. I'm scoring inside. Yeah. I told you the best, the best defender I ever faced in the NBA was Phil Jackson. <laughs> Phil Jackson, baby. He shut me down, baby. Shut me down. King is holding me back, baby. He holding me back, baby. He holding me back, baby. Let the chains loose, baby. Yeah, I, I would I would be I, I I don't like like sometimes I'd be watching the game, I'd be like, wow, like I you know, I'd be like players I represent, man, what does that feel like? He'd be like, What? I was like, you just came down and shot. He was like, Oh, that's what they tell us to do. We gotta get up 53s. I was like, Really? <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, we gotta get we gotta get them up, you know. So it's it's just, just a different way of thinking. So, you know, today it's about you know playing in this system where in our era, you know, I, I was you know, when I when I played, I, I always say this, Stacey, you and I were so blessed to have yeah. our very first coach in the NBA was a Hall of Fame coach. 
And that was a blessing. That was a blessing. You know, text winners would make us do bounce pass drills. Like, I was like, what is going on? Like, we did this like when I was in grade school. <laughs> Everything we did was stressed around the fundamentals of the game. And once I left the Bulls, I, I finally learned the lesson of what it meant. You know, like there's nothing else going on other than the fundamentals of the game. If you, you can't understand why you need to catch the ball with two hands, then you just haven't had the blessing of like understanding the fundamentals of the game because the fundamentals of the game transfer everywhere. The fundamentals yeah. are the fundamentals. Boxing out is boxing out. Making the right pass, the bounce pass or chest pass or, you know, Stacy, remember when we used to do those passing drills where one of us getting in the middle and you had to get a deflection and you had to fake and do all those things. Yep. Like I, I couldn't understand it, but once I left, I understood, Oh, that's why we won. And then this is why this team loses. Yeah. So the fundamentals of the game are the only thing that I look for. You know, we talk about this guy's got a 50 inch vertical and this guy has a seven, nine wingspan and okay. What's, it's his fundamental base because the fundamentals are going to allow you to play and age gracefully. Because as you get older, as all players understand, if you don't have a fundamentals at 30, you're going to be in trouble in this league because you can't jump the same way you did at 20. As a guard, I wasn't as fast as I was at 21 as I was at 32. So the fundamentals is the most valuable thing that you can learn as a young kid because that will give you sustained excellence throughout your entire career. You know, I want to go back to your high school days because uh, everybody dreams of playing the NBA. The next best thing is going to high school with someone that did. And I have a buddy that went to Brother Rice and I reached out to him. He was a year older and guys like Shikes and Tim Bill and all these guys are blowing my phone up now and want me to ask your question. Somebody send me a, some grainy video, but take me back. <laughs> I, I guess you had a nickname, Baby Eye or something. And, you know, the young, the young BJ Armstrong playing yeah, at Brother Rice. Um, yeah, so going back to high school, I grew up in uh, Detroit, and uh, Stacy always claimed I grew up in the suburbs, but I grew up, <laughs> up in, <laughs> I grew up in the city of Detroit. But I was, I, I, again, you know, you, you got to get lucky. I was fortunate enough, and I was lucky enough to be able to go to a, a terrific high school uh, that was great in academics, a, 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 a private high school there in the Detroit area named Brother Rice High School, right? I think there's a Brother Rice there in Chicago as well. Yeah. And growing up there was great because there was a young guard who had got drafted like when I first entered high school. His name was Isaiah Thomas. And he wore number 11. And as a young kid, every young kid wanted to be like Isaiah Thomas. He was flashy. He could handle the ball. He was tough. And you could see... He was very special. And I remember when I got to high school, my high school coach, you know, he asked me what number I wanted to wear. I was like, hey, I got to wear number 11. He was like, do you think someday you might play in the NBA? I was like, yeah. like every kid. I was like, yeah, I want to play in the NBA. Of course, you know, I would be in the NBA. He said, well, let's do this. I'm a, why don't you wear number 10? So that way, when you see number 11, <laughs> You better be ready for him. <laughs> wow. And I was like, and that's when I was in ninth grade. And I was like, okay. I was like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so my whole life, and it, it was funny how my life turned out. My whole life, I, I had this always in the back of my mind. Like, I can't wear number 11 because if I saw him, 
he, you know, I might play, have to play against him. And I know what we're going to play once we get inside the lines. And the reason I'm telling that story is because when I got to Chicago, we actually played the Pistons. Yeah. And I never forgot that every single time I lined up against Isaiah Thomas. Because when I saw him, I had to remember that I had prepared my entire life to get to this one moment. Wow. And to finally beat them was a very special moment for me in a lot of ways because I was lucky to have someone who even introduced that idea. You can admire someone, what they have to do, but you better be prepared because you're you're talking about playing against the very, very best. So it wasn't just enough for me to get to the NBA. It was like, when you see this guy, you better be ready for him. And I remember that. I, re, I remember those you know battles that we had with those great Detroit teams growing up watching Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars and Vinnie Johnson as a fan and, you know, playing against those guys was just a, was a thrill for me. And, uh, you know, and my, my parents, you know, my, my parents, they were probably the only parents that would root for me to do well, but they were rooting for the Detroit Pistons to win. My entire family <laughs> was rooting against me that entire time. So, um that was kind of my high school career and uh i just i had great coaches play well when i say play well i had a you know great competition it was always great players <laughs> growing up in the city of detroit and i was fortunate to play go on to university of iowa and then eventually get drafted uh by the chicago bulls people don't know how close i came to coming to to iowa oh man i, I, oh, I was, I was oh, man. really close hey, hey, to hey, coming hey. to the university of iowa we 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 talked bad about you in iowa state man you know what, man Woo. if you would have came there with ed horton who was a mcdonald's all-american you know the late roy marble roy who marble, was yeah. incredible you know we had kevin gamble brad lojas put you in the mix king Hey, baby, we might we might have gone back to back championships. You know what? They brought me up on the visit on the worst time of the year to go oh, visit Iowa. Oh, come it was on. super cold, super cold. Now, Kiff coming from Oklahoma, <laughs> uh, they were playing like Northern Iowa, and one thing I did like about Iowa, they always sold out. Oh yeah, their crowd time. was all. I was like, man, this is nice, and they had a world class locker room. Like they had fruit. They had like they had fruit. They have cola gummies. They had fruit in the locker room. They had juice machines. Like like actual like the McDonald's juice machines. Oh, and everything. Yeah, yeah, oh man. Yeah, yeah. It was it was off the chain. Because every everywhere everywhere else I went, it was just they were low budget. It was low budget. Yeah. Right? And so Iowa set it out. And Big so, time, baby. so I went. I went on. I went with uh, with Michael Reeves. I went on my. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I went on, yeah, on my recruiting yeah. trip with those guys. Mike Morgan. And uh, we went out, we went to Cedar Rapids to hang out in Cedar Rapids. And I didn't have a coat. Like I had like a thin, like a members only jacket on. <laughs> I think I was the only member. Member, yeah, probably. <laughs> so it was freezing. Never gets old. And I was like, man, I'm, I can't come here. It's too cold. It's too cold. No matter all the fans there. And then we end up running into them in a tournament. My sophomore year, I think. Yeah, yeah, sophomore yeah. year. You we guys met beat, I think you guys beat us, right? We beat you. We beat you. I think we beat you in Oklahoma City my junior year, but my yeah, the year, yeah, but y'all, yeah. you, you guys were one game away from getting to the, the final so the, four. That's right. Because you, right, right. you lost that's to right. Vegas. You lost to Vegas with Armin right. Gilliam. And uh, right. so we had beat Vegas so we that beat year. We beat y'all. We beat y'all. You beat us. That's right. You beat us. You beat us to get to the Elite Eight. 
to the Elite Eight. That's and the reason why they beat that us was in Seattle. That yeah, was it was in Seattle. Seattle right? Yes, it was in Seattle. And the reason why they the reason why they beat us was my coach. The game before Pittsburgh, <laughs> I had like twenty <laughs> points and like fifteen rebounds. And then the seniors were crying and moaning about my playing time. <laughs> So then he he played me five minutes against Iowa. I had like three blocks against Iowa in five minutes and didn't play anymore. And then we end up losing. And then he comes back on the plane. He sits next to me on the plane. He says, uh, I should have played you more. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, man, if you don't get your ass away, I don't want to talk about this right now. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, BJ and them, hey, man, they had a nice squad too, boy. They could yeah, shoot no, it. No, no, yeah, they could shoot it. But we got them next year, though. Yeah, you, you guys went to the final four. The yeah, we went year, to the though, final right? four next year. Yep. Show did. Regrouped. Oh, man. We put the right sure people did. in the lineup, baby. <laughs> they put the right people in the lineup, baby. They put the king out there, baby. Oh, Lord. Oh, I never looked back. Oh, baby. They turned me loose, BJ. They released me, baby. Released the Kraken. That Guinness is kicking in. You know what? Your little comment. You know what? He's been snake bit. Hey, listen. You know, hey, listen. You hadn't said two words all day, and then all of a sudden you just jump in. That was two words. Hey, listen. Larry the Lobster, be quiet. Yeah, there, were, there were a lot of colleges look out, that wanted look out. to out. Can we show the camera? Can we get Tim on here? Yeah, I uh, want to show you how red Tim oh, is. Yeah, okay, you know, BJ hasn't seen me in a good hold, day. BJ, hold your eyes, BJ. Watch this, BJ. BJ Watch hold look your how eyes. red this dude is. I'm going to move over to, to the whispers. Look at him. There I'm he is. coming oh. over. Tim <laughs> Kelly. Look at him. Look at him. Look at him. He looks like a little lobster. A little Larry the Lobster. Look at him. He's been a week in Florida. He's never been the same. Oh, Lord. He's burning up over there. Anybody got any butter? Can we put some butter on our man over there? Like Kramer in the turkey. Oh, oh, let's baste him, baby. We got a little rotisserie chicken. Oh, Lord. All right. Uh, he, he, hey, we call him Timmy Whispers. You know him, BJ. Yeah, you know yeah, him. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Tell, oh, tell him how you know him. Go ahead. Well, from the club and from you. From the, remember we used to bring you over to Forest Grove, and I used to bring you over there to, to oh, like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. that's Timmy Whispers over there. And uh, we always had these stories we talk about. There was this one one little kid that always was talking trash to me when I was over there. He said, like, yeah, bring BJ Armstrong over. I'll kill him. I'll kill him. So I'd go to practice. I'd be like, yo, BJ, come on, man. You got to come over and play. You got to come over to my health club, man. There's this little kid. He's, we call him the dancing bear because all he does is dribble, dribble, dribble. I said, you got you to come over and play. Bear. You got to play with me just one game. Do you remember his name? Uh, Dave Chatterup. Dave Chatterup. Yeah, so BJ up. comes over. How do you remember this stuff? BJ <laughs> comes over, right? BJ comes over and he goes, "Where's he at, King?" <laughs> and so it, it was like it's like I brought like my little attack dog. I'm like, I say, see, see that little dude over there, bust his ass. And then BJ, like, I got him, King. Don't worry about it. He ain't scoring. So we played. It was ugly. And it was ugly. It, it was really. It was like it was like cut me, Mick. Cut you me. guys sound like one a of bunch those of bullies. We're in a bunch uh, of bullies. You guys are bullying hey, listen, people. Hey, listen, it's, it's pros versus average Joes. If you want to go up against the pros, you can't be talking trash, okay? We'd have done you that way. Yeah. <laughs> Let me have a little bit of drinking my little yeah, game. Yeah, there's a drop like 50 snakes. Oh, hey, this guy, man. <laughs> Woo, boy. This Woo. guy. Oh, <laughs> memories, boy. <laughs> memories, baby. Speaking of memories, we, we do this special thing called Off the Wall. Yeah, Off the Wall. Off the Wall. Off you the you wall. never know what direction it's my, it's going to go. A lot of times okay. we go back to Stacy's childhood in Lawton, Oklahoma, the mean streets LA? of Lawton. L.A.? Where, <laughs> where LA, he, baby. L.A., get it right. Is he still with that, the mean streets L.A., baby. Yeah, he, he got in a playground fight once, and then the, the big arm. opposition was a one-armed uh, girl. Okay, listen. 
Listen, first of all, you, you, no, you, you can't just keep going back to that, that story. story. Okay, well, it's a BJ, great story. BJ, BJ, it's a great story. BJ, you got to go back to episode six. I don't know what <laughs> yeah. it is. Yeah. But I told our listeners, man, listen, I got I'm, I'm, my, my street fighting record is 101 and one. Okay, 101 victories and one loss. Okay, and the one loss I had was to a one-armed girl. Okay, and I didn't want to hit her because she had one arm and she was a girl. So I don't really consider that a loss. Plus, they jumped me, they rat packed me, all their little friends rat packed me, and so I don't really consider that a loss. I consider that a draw. And these guys never let me forget it because I got I got jumped by a one-armed girl. <laughs> so the best of give me the hot sauce yeah. coming to a theater near you but the theme of this is we were we were wondering since you know you grew up right. in the city of detroit not in the suburbs like stacy yeah. likes to say yeah, yeah, yeah. what did you and your boys do for entertainment you know back then we didn't watch tv or play video games you went out and actually competed and, and did things out in the neighborhood what kind cops of games did you guys <laughs> the cops and robbers no, we're talking about real cops and robbers in detroit uh, what would we do well, you know, playing basketball was always a big thing in, in, in my neighborhood. But the one thing we would do is we would play like, you know, two hand touch football in the street. Right. <laughs> that was like <laughs> our thing. Right. And then if you got too close to the grass, you could tackle somebody. You know what right. I mean? So <laughs> that was our thing. Like you played sports. Right. You know, you played baseball in the streets. You played football in the streets. And, you know, we would go to the park or wherever you you play basketball. So uh, playing sports was always a big thing for us. Um, I'm trying to think of other things we would do, doing willies, you know, on our bike, you know, doing willies on your bike. Right. Uh, for the kid who had a bike in the neighborhood. Yeah, you know, exactly. You know, a lot of us didn't have bikes, BJ. Yeah, we didn't have bikes. You would do willies. We just watched people sports. do willies. Yeah, playing sports was a big thing for us. That was like, you know, you play sports, you know, you know, year round. You know, you play in the you know in the snow, you play, you know, in the winter, the summer, spring. So sports was always a big part of my life growing up uh in the, in Detroit. John, I know you you got some stories for us, right? No, it's a quick story. It's just uh, wiffle ball. I was a dominant wiffle ball player as a kid. Hey, let's just say that for <laughs> a different <laughs> segment. Hey, uh, okay, did, nobody did, wants to no, dominant. Hey, he was dominant. Come I'm on, still, man. I'm still going to issue the challenge. <laughs> Would you play had, against Tom Brady in football, uh, yeah. too? I had the 12-6 to Don Sutton. Oh, I had the slider. God. We had the Wrigley Field with with the shrubbery. and <laughs> it should have been Fenway Park where you grew up. Yeah, no, well, no, it was more like Wrigley, but I'm a dominant. I'm just going to say dominant softball. Shotgun, he does that when our daughters bring um, boys over to the house. Yeah. God challenges them to yeah, wiffle ball. What? He yeah. challenges them to a wrestling match. He gets all in oiled up. And he gets all oiled up. He gets his little wrestling singlet on. No. And his little, his little cup. Body he gets a little cup on and he starts wrestling. No, we get south side Come on, out boys. There. No, I just want to see if they can hit. That's all. My daughter. Come on, guys. You want to see my cards? You want to come to the basement? It's hot down there. I got my cards there. Yeah. Let's go look at my cards. Yeah, some history there. Hey, right. little boy, you want some candy? <laughs> All right, King. So besides beating up one arm, what, what, what games did you play? No, we're not talking about me right now. Oh, oh, we're not talking about me right now. No, we're not talking about me right now. I got another question for BJ. All right. Okay, we're, we're, we're getting off topic again because this got off the wall, so I'm all right. off the wall. Thanks yeah. to this Guinness and the snake bite over here. I'm all over the place. <laughs> so, 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 BJ, I, you know my relationship with Derek. You know how I love Derek. Right, I right, love right. the oh, roses. Derek. I, I, Derek's my man. And, right. you know, let the listeners know your relationship with Derek. And, 
you know, you know, since he's left here, everybody you know, basically just thought he was done. And now he's reinvented right. himself into, yep. it's funny. Yep. We talk about this, that he's reinvented himself into mm-hmm. what people wanted him to be in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you know, in this business, uh, I'm in as a, you know, sports agent and a representation business, you know, you have the business relationship and with him, it's been, I mean, he's, he's family, you know, he is, he's, he's terrific. Uh, he's great. I love the kid. And for him to have this opportunity to play in Chicago was, was a thrill. And, you know, the one thing is it's, it's always so hard because you, you know, you, you do your job and you, you, you know, you get paid to do it and you, all those things, but then it means something more to you when you're doing it at home. Right. And, um, so playing in Chicago was was a thrill, and to hear Stacy too big, too strong, <laughs> yeah. uh, too fast, and Derek and his family, it was when I say you a dream come true, it was a dream. I mean, it was it it, it was great, and um, you know, I, I we always, you know, I remember when he first walked in the building after getting drafted. I remember when the Bulls got the number one pick, the possibility of playing at home. And it was just, it, it was just such a high. It was such like, you know, things just fell into place. And then of course, you know, you know, the business gets in and then he gets traded and, and that was just so tough because it wasn't like you were just getting traded and you go to another team, you know, it was like, this is your home. So that was, that was tough to navigate through and the injury, so forth and so on. But the one thing about him is that this young man is a fighter, right? If you say, what is Chicago really all about? You know, you're going to fall down and you're going to get back up. Well, okay, we literally saw someone fall down, pick himself up off, and he's reinvented himself. I mean, when he came into this league, he was, when I tell you elite of the elite, (laughs) as far as an athlete, he was every bit of that. And then to figure out how to play his game and still be just as effective and and figure out and, and, and play to where he's contributing I mean, it loves it. So, you know, you just give this young man a challenge and he's going to figure it out. So that's been the great thing to watch is you watch the great players. You know, I remember watching Michael later in his career, you know, early in his career, you never saw him fading away. At the end of his career, you saw him fading away because he had figured out how to adjust and adapt his game and and figure out how to be just as effective, but you do it a, a different way. So to watch Derek how he's playing with so much poise, how he's playing now using angles. Because when he first came in the league, it was literally, as Stacey would say, beep, beep. He would just get it. He was <laughs> yeah. gone. He was off to the races, you know? Like, you know, i never seen a player, you could just throw lobs to your point guard. you like, you know, a, a, when I was playing, a guard goes back door, you know, you just had to look for the bounce pass. Now, guys dunking the ball and doing the things and finishing over the top. And he was playing the game with such force that it was just incredible to watch. So, um, you know, to watch him now, you know, I, I love to talk to him because he's talking about angles and he's talking about things that I can actually understand. Because before I was like, hey man, <laughs> how did you do that? Like, what, was, what was that like dunking on this seven footer? What was that like? You know, he's doing backwards thugs. I, I didn't know what to say, you know, then. But now, you know, we can actually talk and you can say, hey man, tell me about the pull up jump shot. Oh yeah, I, I knew about that, you know? So, uh, but no, he's doing great. He's back home with Tom Thibodeau, you know, and him and Tibbs has this special relationship that only those two know about. And uh, he's, but he's doing, he's doing terrific, but Chicago will always be in his heart. And that's his home. That's his base. That's his family. And, uh, you know, and, 
you never know how things will turn out in the end. But I can tell you this, uh, when I tell you those were the greatest times, those were great. And, um, you know, we all miss Chicago. I was living in Chicago at the time. You know, his family and, and all his friends are still there. But uh, wherever he goes, Chicago is always going to be in his heart. Yeah, BJ, a couple of years ago, Derek was a free agent and it, there was a possibility that maybe the Bulls would bring him back. It didn't work out that time. He ended up going to Detroit. Do you see a scenario where maybe the last year of Derek's career could be spent in a Chicago Bulls uniform? You, you never know. And uh, you never know. I, I, I would love to see him finish his career in a place where it began. And, and you know what? I, I was lucky enough that I finished my career back in Chicago in my last year. And uh, it was really a sentimental thing, but it, it really meant a lot. You know, that from that picture I showed you guys at the beginning, you know, you walked in as this young, wide-eyed kid, and then you finish your career. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it happens, and uh, we'll see how things turn out. But right now, he still has a lot of good basketball left. Right now, Absolutely. they're in the playoff hunt there in, in, in New York. He's, you know – found his rhythm. The team there in New York has really turned things around there in the playoff hunt. So, um, you know, we're a few years away from making that decision, hopefully. And uh, but you never know how things will turn out. For those of you who are not watching us on YouTube, uh, BJ has a couple of framed jerseys yeah. behind him. The great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Will Chamberlain's Philadelphia 76ers number 13. <laughs> what, before we say goodbye, I want to let the folks know at home that B.J. Armstrong's number was retired by the Chicago Bulls. It's number 10. People think it was Bob Love, but it was actually it was actually B.J. Armstrong's 10. And, and you told that story earlier that you had to work up to number 11. Well, you came back for your last year with the Bulls, and you yes, wore Isaiah's number 11. So your I number's did. retired. I mean, what kind of career putting a button on it? That's pretty special stuff. Yeah, so, uh, you know, you know, Bob's number was retired. Actually, somewhere in there in one of those years, right. I was there – Plan and look, he was phenomenal player, and uh, it was an honor to wear that number and know what that number has meant to the city of Chicago. And then when I came back, um, you know, I was like, oh yeah, wear number ten. Oh, I forgot, you know, it was already retired. So, uh, but no, it was it was good, great. Those were uh, those are great times. And is to see my guy King, you know. But <laughs> I, I just I'm telling you, when I tell you the man is the funniest person I've ever met, that that guy right there. I mean, he <laughs> he's the best. That's my friend, and I'm uh, just happy to say, you know what, to know that anything I ever would need, I can always make that call to the King. Yes, sir, and, uh, and that's my that's my guy. So, and uh, you guys keep doing your thing. You got a great show, great show here. Give me the hot sauce. I'm gonna try. I want to be your agent when you finally get your own brand of hot sauce. I, I'm claiming that right now. I know you have an agent, but the hot sauce—that's my lane, and uh, I'm I'm your agent of record, right? Wow. Give yes. me the hot sauce wow, right man. there. Oh my right boy, here. my boy, my boy, still like him about 24 years old, boy. Give me some of that oil of Olay you using, boy. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I look pretty young, my damn self too. So I, I mean, me and BJ, we really take care of our faces. You know, we get facials. The money and, maker. You know, hey, hey. Some people have a face for radio. Timmy Whispers. Timmy Whispers. Timmy Whispers has a face for radio. He, he got. A, he's got a face only a mother can love. Okay, I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, look, there he is, right there. Look, hey, there he is. Hey, BJ, represent me for some sunblock, will you? <laughs> yeah, sunblock. I got it. Yeah, get him, it. get him some butter, it. man. He's a lobster. Oh my god. And, and you can check out BJ Armstrong. He's also in the podcast game, the co-host yes, of the Pushing Through Pod. How many episodes you guys done so far? 
Man, I, I, I have no idea. We've been doing it now for... <laughs> well, Southside knows. What I mean, Southside? I think it's 118. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. There, there you go. I mean, we, we did it. She's don't, our stat don't girl. Hold, don't hold me on that. She's our stat yeah. girl back there. She's, oh, she's yeah. normally wrong 95% of the time, but it's the effort that counts. <laughs> <laughs> hey, as, as King would say, King would shout this out of the game. You're playing hard, baby, but you're hurting us. You're playing hard, but you're hurting us, baby. <laughs> Uh, oh boy! Hey, Stacy, before we go, can we before we go? Do you remember? Do you remember the heckler that was at the Washington? Yeah, Washington Robin Times? Vicker. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> I told, we t- did we talk yeah, about that? Yeah, yeah, we did. A couple we, episodes ago. Yeah, with the book. He really, they, hey, bees. I, 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 we brought this up a couple episodes ago. I was saying that today's kids would not be able to deal with that guy. <laughs> that guy was I mean that guy was ruthless We, me and BJ we were young kids we, we'd be sitting there it'd be a timeout and Phil would be on the, you know Phil would be sitting there going over the plate and then and then the, the guy would yell hey Tex Winter he says hey you like you to work on a shrimp boat and, he, and then so so me and BJ would just start cracking up laughing and then and then and then he'd say hey rookies what are y'all laughing at and then Phil would turn around hey Attention to me! Listen here! Don't listen to him! I'm like, wow, man! I'm like, Phil, but he is funny, though. He is funny. He's funny. He's funny. He's funny. Hey, <laughs> hey that's the only guy that I think would he rivals Stacy. He was funny. He was funny. That dude was funny. Remember, 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 I told Bobby at Bobby on. And uh, when he had the boxing glove, and he told, because Bobby, he told Bobby had gotten to a fight with somebody in Utah, and he's like, and he had that old dusty Joe Lewis boxing glove. Come on, Bobby, come get me. If you want, you like to fight old people? Come fight me. And then Bobby, Bobby's like, we literally had to hold Bobby back. Bobby was about ready to jump into the stands to get the guy. Oh my God! I, and I remember Mary, that. Hey. I remember that Stacy. Hey. Bobby was mad at you. <laughs> Why are you mad at me? I wasn't the one who said it. I but you repeat. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, man. You know, I just remember him. He was funny. He was. And I remember, and I remember this. He 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 was the only guy that threw me off my game. I was at the free throw line. I'll never forget this. Because Stacy was riding me. He was like, it was quiet, you know, it was quiet in that arena. And all of a sudden he said, Hey, little BJ, because you call me little yeah, BJ. Yeah, little BJ. Stacy would always hate little BJ all the game. And I'd be kind of mad at Stacy, right? He said, like, Hey, little BJ, it's past your bedtime. Stacy <laughs> <laughs> thought that was so funny. <laughs> and I stopped. I remember I was at the and I stopped. I was like, Say, you can't laugh at his jokes, right? <laughs> He was like little BJ, oh. and then when he found out that he got your attention, so he called me little BJ my entire career. Yep. Thanks to Stacy. Yep. Yep. Always yep. Shout, it's past your bedtime. <laughs> oh man. Hey, 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 we were remember remember he uh, he was reading Phil's book Maverick, oh. <laughs> and he was reading all these excerpts in the book. Phil cheated on so and so. Phil was using LSD, and and he used LSD before the game. He all these things was in the book, and then Phil turned around. Phil turned around and goes, "Hey, that's low, Robin. <laughs> Robin, that's low. That's really low." <laughs> <laughs> no, Stacy, 
That was the that was one of the funny things. We were in a huddle. We yes. were in a huddle. And all of a sudden Phil was like, okay, Robin, that's a low. <laughs> and everybody was like, what the hell is Where, What did he just say? Where is he reading this from? I mean, he's reading all these excerpts. The Jordan rules. He read all the Jordan rules experts. Oh man, he was like, MJ, none of your teammates like you. <laughs> Look at Horace Grant said in chapter seven. Like, oh my God. He, like, he'd have all this stuff down. And and here here's the remember here hold on hey Beach here's the kicker Beach here's the kicker so so it was payback time for Robin Ficker okay so Robin Ficker got in trouble for domestic abuse oh, now you got to remember he's a lawyer yeah he was a big time lawyer in D.C. so he gets in trouble for de domestic abuse abuse so it was in the newspaper so Phil comes back the game until he's starting to do his little spiel on us again so Phil goes. Hey, are you hitting your wife anytime any soon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you get arrested for beating your wife, Robin? And he's like, wow, Phil, that's real low. <laughs> that's the first time I ever heard him quiet. I was like, wow, he shut up. He didn't mess with us too much after that. Remember they flew him, hey, they flew him to Phoenix in the finals? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, I forget all these things. See? see? Yeah, they flew oh. him to Phoenix to sit behind our bench. I think Charles Barkley paid for him to come. Oh, Jesus. And they put him oh, behind our bench to heckle us. Wow. Yeah, that's how serious it was. Wow. I mean, oh, back in those man. days, Bees, I was telling them, back in those days, you know, the hecklers that we saw, the, the what was Leon the Barber. And the, oh, Leon <laughs> the Barber. He was brutal. <laughs> he was brutal. He was brutal. Yeah. Him, you had a thicker. These kids today would have to go get like, you know, have to go get therapy session. Okay, yeah, they'd have to go get one a therapy thing, session. One last thing, one last thing, one last thing. Remember in New Jersey with the with the uh, national anthem? Okay. With uh Oh, with, Carl uh, Lewis? Carl Lewis. Oh, oh, no. oh my oh my god. So, okay, y'all remember that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was our game. Yeah. Wow. So different. so Carl Lewis <laughs> Carl Lewis comes out with this blood red suit, looks like a can of black flag. And so he's out there, he's out there, you know, he's like, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we got Olympic gold medalist Carl Lewis going to sing the national anthem. Everybody's like, yeah, because he's from New Jersey. So he gets out there and he's like, how y'all doing? Like, he's in a concert. Like, I'm like, dude, are you going to sing the national anthem? What are you doing? It's not a concert. We got a game he's, to like, he's like, how y'all doing out there in New Jersey? I love y'all. Y'all ready? And then he's like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, say can I? <laughs> and then he stopped himself. Oh, hold, hold, said, on. hold on, hold on. I'll do better. Give me one more chance. I'll do better. We were all sitting over there like dying. Like, like all of our heads are down, you know, and we're like laughing. It was it was hilarious. Because he messed up like twice. And he and, and he was like, he played it off. It was really funny though. B that that was a good one too. I forgot about that one. <laughs> I just remember all I could think was what Stacy gonna say. It was funny. <laughs> Because oh. Stacy is better than the actual event. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of feel that way, Beach. I'm still. I'm, I, I, I have to load the clip every so often like, on my own he kids. He did it, but I was like, let's get to the locker room because I want to hear Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, so, so Bill was on. Bill was on a few weeks ago. 
And so we were talking about that, that, that scrimmage we had in Miami when it was like it was like a really chippy scrimmage. You know, first team, second team. It was really competitive. Boom, boom, boom. So BJ, so BJ's behind Phil Jackson, and and Dennis Hobson was like getting into with everybody that particular day. So so BJ was back there just talking trash. Yeah, Hop, you ain't gonna do nothing. Quit talking. You ain't gonna do nothing. You ain't gonna do it. Just kept talking. So Hop was like getting even more mad, man. Everybody's ready to fight. Everybody. So Phil goes. Phil's like. <laughs> and you can see he's getting mad because there's everybody's talking and BJ's the ringleader he's in the back <laughs> uh, shut up you little jackal <laughs> and so so we're like who's he talking to so, who's he calling a jackal and B he turns around looks at BJ I'm tired of you talking shit you always got something to say and BJ's like Phil, what are you talking about? It wasn't me. <laughs> you little jackal. You always are starting something. So we get on the bus, right? So so everybody's like, BJ's like, man, I don't know why he came at me. I wasn't the only one talking. Everybody was fighting. Why he came at me? So we get on the bus. And so I get the first thing I do get on the bus. <laughs> BJ's in the back of the bus. Where's that jackal? <laughs> you little jackal. I was so mad at you. He was, you hot. He was hot. He was hot at me. He was mad at me. He didn't talk to me for a couple of days. <laughs> oh, I remember that. The king. The Woo! king is. Oh, yeah, we got some. Yeah. We got some great stories, no, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but no, 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 no man. This is what it's all about, this man. man has so many Off stories. the wall, baby. <laughs> Off the wall, baby. This is what it's about, man. Hey, we got no time limit when we got some good stuff oh, on here, baby. That's great, man. Hey, I, I, thanks for having me on. Thank you. Man, well, what thank BJ you said when on. he came on, he says, "I'm, I'm ready to laugh because whenever <laughs> I get around Stacy, I know he's going to be telling stories." <laughs> and Stacy, you lived up to the billing. Yeah, you he did, man. That. He told me that. He's like, "Man, I can't wait to get on. I know I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be ready to laugh. I know I'm coming at you." I'm like, "Okay, come on, Stacy. Hey, come on, on. Come on, on." Stacy would talk about everybody's clothes. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about everything. <laughs> I mean, but bees, but bees, be honest though. Like, I wouldn't come at you unless you came at me. Well, I no, that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> you was you regardless. No, because like, like, like when me and BJ first came in and Jeff Sanders, you know, they were hard on us as rookies. And so, like, they they just they just dogged Jeff Sanders. He couldn't defend himself. <laughs> I mean, he didn't put himself in good situations. Me and BJ, we were on time. Remember, hey, how about that time we went out? The uh, the first time we go out in Chicago, me and BJ, we you know we had two days, and then we had uh, this particular day we had the one day off, so we only had one practice. So Jeff convinced us to go downtown <laughs> to the Cotton Club. So downtown Chicago is our first time going downtown. So me and BJ. Like, I don't know, man. Maybe we should stay in. What do you think, King? I was like, nah, let's go, man. Let's just go down there and hang out for a little bit. So we ride with Jeff. He's the only one with a car. So we go with Jeff. We go with Jeff. We ride down there. So it's it's getting late. So me and BJ, you know, we, we ready to go home. Where's Jeff? Like looking around. We get on the, the DJ box. Hey man, can you can you call out Jeff Sanders' name, please? Uh, is Jeff Sanders in the house. Uh Bulls, Bulls, Stacy King, and BJ Armstrong are looking for Jeff. Need a ride Jeff, home. Need a ride home. <laughs> Jeff's nowhere to be seen. Jeff done went off to Stony Island somewhere taking somebody home. Oh, so me and BJ like sitting at, you know, at the cotton club was waiting. So then all of a sudden Jeff comes back. And then we end up going home. And then it was late. It was late night. We got to practice, but Jeff didn't. 
You didn't get the sleepy. You didn't get the practice. You didn't get the practice. But I don't want to go into the rest of the story. But that was just part of the story. Heavily censored. Heavily censored. Heavily censored. BJ, it's been a thrill to have you on. Joy, swapping stories and having laughs. We gotta get you back. I forget these stories. King, that man remembers everything. But more importantly, man. It's beautiful, man. Stacy, man, I love you. You know, I love you're you my too, guy, bro. man. And uh, thanks for all, Mark, man. Thank you guys for having me on. Thank it's you. a pleasure. And uh, keep doing your thing and keep entertaining the Stacy because uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, this guy is <laughs> he's unbelievable. He's often, unbelievable. often imitated, but never duplicated. And BJ, if you ever need somebody to tell your kids that your number was retired by the Bulls, I, I can hook you up on that, okay? <laughs> Yo, you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> right, yo, you, guys, you guys be good. <laughs> the great BJ Armstrong joining us on the Gimme the Hot Sauce podcast, a classic, <laughs> oh, episode 20. Oh, That's my boy. Uh, yeah, man, I appreciate y'all, man. Bring us home Thanks with the music, man. man. I don't know. He is this way. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish some of these stories we could tell. Oh, <laughs> oh really I do too. I wish we could get some of the X-rated stories. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh yeah, we had so much fun visiting with BJ Armstrong. We have to have him Ooh. back real soon. That was definitely, I would say, our, our number one guest so far. It was so much fun hearing you guys tell stories about your days with the Bulls, breaking in together as rooks. Man, it was just, I mean, it was like just so funny. Like, it was, <laughs> I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. I mean, I felt like I was on the bus with the team. Yeah, I think BJ's still laughing in his home. Yeah, right? yeah. He, he just texted me, told me he had a great time. His so. kids are probably looking at him like, Dad, you're going crazy. Yeah, you been drinking, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> it was great to have BJ on. But before we get out of here, we want to talk a little football because the Bears have been all over the NFL news. Free agency officially began on St. Patrick's Day, I believe, at uh, 3 o'clock Central Time. But there were a flurry of uh, deals agreed to before that. And the upshot of it is the, Bull, uh, the Bears made a bid to try to acquire Russell Wilson from the Seattle Seahawks. The report is that Ryan Pace met with the Seahawks general manager in Fargo, North Dakota, when they were going to check out Trey Lance from North Dakota State on his pro day. And Pace reportedly offered three first-round picks, a second-round pick, and two defensive starting players to try to get Russell Wilson, who's an outstanding quarterback, Stacy, but he's 32. And you wonder, why would you want to give up that much? Even though Wilson is, is going to be a huge upgrade, you're really mortgaging the future of the franchise. Yeah, you are mortgaging your future. And if you're going to make that type of push to get someone, why not Deshaun Watson? Exactly. You know, why not put that same package? Because that is a big time package to to get a quarterback. And I'm sure Houston would have jumped at that opportunity, especially now. They'd have jumped at that opportunity because with the with all the negative press right now that Deshaun Watson is having. Now, granted, now you know he hasn't been convicted of anything. It's right. just hearsay, and you know, uh, so we don't really know the whole logistics of the story, but. You know, now that's a tough situation if you're Houston now because his trade value is now basically gone down now. Yeah, and he was requesting a trade away from the Texans organization saying they didn't know how to run their football organization. And now with him being in the news uh, for some very negative publicity, 
maybe they will grant his request. I mean, that'll be something we'll have to watch. But in the meantime, the Bears decided they couldn't wait on Watson. They couldn't get Russell Wilson from the Seattle Seahawks. So they signed Andy Dalton, the Red Rifle, who some people are calling the the Red Pop Gun. I mean, (laughs) why not just keep Trubisky? Well, he's I mean, with the uh, Buffalo Bills now. I mean, but but you know what? You had I mean, listen, come on, man. Well, he's older. <laughs> he's older and slower and has worse stats. I, Other than that, he though. He sounds perfect and cost for the more. <laughs> and costs more. You know, I, I'm just I, I'm come on, man. I mean, seriously. You already got folds in that position. Okay? Just keep Trubisky. Get you an offensive coordinator. Get some offensive linemen. Spend that money on what you actually need. You know what I'm saying? To let that kid walk and to bring in Andy Andy Dalton. You know, there was this little <laughs> there's this thing on uh, the internet yesterday. Internet's undefeated. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So they had it was kind of like uh, the Wheel of Fortune. I think it was Wheel yeah, of Fortune. Yeah, you sent that out. And I sent it out. Yeah. yeah. And so they were like they had like it looked yeah. like it was gonna be Russell Wilson. Wilson's name, <laughs> and it turned out to be Andy Dalton's right, name. And then right. the guy's face was like priceless. Like, like that was like that was hilarious because that's basically what it was. Is that you know you get Bears hope Bears fans hopes up super high. Oh, they're going after Russell Wilson. They're going. Oh, we're going to get him. We're going to get him. And then you get stuck with someone else, and you're like, Yeah, it's uh, the old bait and switch, known in advertising. Uh, you know, what I feel bad for you know it's bad for all Bear fans, but for transplanted Bear fans who live across uh, the Wisconsin border, like our our friends the Walshes, Southside Susie's got to deal with going into her local Piggly Wiggly and taking crap from everybody again. We went shopping for a Cadillac, and we came home with a Hyundai. <laughs> that's oh, that's not right. And Twitter, Twitter was ablaze. So um, the Bears fans are threatening to drive their cars into the Illinois River, um, calling out of work, burning all their Bears clothes. And for me personally, it's just another year in Packer hell. But for the, re- <laughs> for the record, I'm just a Patriots fan, remember? And oh, so I'm, I'm, wow. pretty, I'm pretty happy. What, what a surprise that came up. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> what was the over-under of that was coming up today? Didn't you say we weren't going to talk well, about Well, I know, it? but you mentioned transplants, and I, I'm very happy with the, what the Patriots <laughs> did, <laughs> loading up again. Because wow. it's only two things. You're either building for a championship or, or it's a rebuild. And, and I'm sure all your friends at Piggly Wiggly were quick to point out that the Packers <laughs> have had two, super, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks in the last 30 years. Yeah, no, How many of the Bears, you were doing some research on well, that. Well, since 92, the Packers have had exactly two quarterbacks. Yeah. And last count. Two good ones. Two, <laughs> um, Hall I'm, of Famers. I think it's 24. It might be a couple more. 24 Well, it's going to be 25. Yeah, right, right. true. 24 quarterbacks. So this, this segment is normally on the down low. You have to go in disguise to oh. your local supermarket. Right? Oh, you can't wear man. that Bears gear anymore. I bought, a, I bought a brand new White Sox hat. Just Yes, yeah. I saw it. It was pretty sweet. Hey, Southside Pride. I might Getting ready the for the start I, I, of baseball I, I say season. say Bears fans, let's just storm the Hallis Hall. That's, that's what I say. <laughs> I'm it. with you, baby. I'm let's, I'm with you. Let's with storm. torches and pitchforks. Hey, let's do it, man. I'm t- I, listen, man, I'm tired Put of this. Put Dalton jersey in I'm, I'm tired of this, man. I'm tired. There's nothing against Andy Dalton. Nothing no. against Andy no. Dalton. I feel bad for him because if he doesn't come here and they, they're not winning, he's going to get butchered. Did but, you see the picture on social media with him and his wife? They had Bears hats on. They were smiling ear to ear. And I'm thinking, oh, those, that poor couple. They don't have no idea yeah. what they're in for. You know? His wife's probably like, why the hell did you get me on this photo? Like, he was just going to take it in by yourself. Me. You should be now doing that on the now, download. Now they're going to find me in a Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and Andy Dalton took the Bengals to a number of playoff appearances. He's a competent NFL yeah. quarterback. Finished up the season after uh, the starting quarterback, Dak Prescott, got hurt in Dallas. 
Ross and did a, did an okay job. I'm sure he'll be serviceable, but when you were talking about, as you mentioned, yeah. talking about that Mercedes or whatever Cadillac and, and you get the used uh, beat-up Toyota, it's not quite the same thing. Now, they say Andy Dalton is the perfect signing for a team who wants to assure their starter their job is completely safe. That was, wow. that was another one oh. from Twitter. And I, that, kinda, I feel wow. for him. I, I do. Oh, that just, wow. That was oh, low. Geez. And we're uh, that, that, that was brutal. We're recording you this episode on Thursday night, and as we were doing the show, more Bears news coming across. They released Kyle Fuller, a Pro Bowl cornerback, oh. one of your very valuable defensive starters, and a cost-cutting move to save cap space. And they've given Akeem Hicks permission, uh, agent permission to seek a trade. Akeem Hicks, one of the Is most popular players. What's going All on? All things must go, I guess. And they were over the cap. They made some moves to get about even. Right. But I have no oh, idea what they're doing. Goodness. And Ryan Pace is supposed to be in a situation where it's win or lose your job. And this is the way he's starting that season. Hey, he might just be in one of those situations. Who's <laughs> like, hey, I'm going out anyway, so everybody's going with me. The Titanic just starts throwing. Yeah. Deck hey, chairs he's up. A, he'll be there with the band. They'll be the last people to leave. Yeah. Hey, no, no, Ryan Payne's going to jump on her with women and children. <laughs> this is my daughter. This is my daughter here. Oh, okay, bring her on. Okay. All right, here, take this little girl back. I don't know who she is. Time to update the resume. No question about wow. it. Wow. Hey, before we get out of here, we want to pay tribute to the late, great, marvelous Marvin Hagler. Yes. former champion you know we grew up in a time when boxing was in its golden era fights against uh tommy hearns sugar ray leonard uh, just Roberto some great Duran. yeah some great fighters he back that then fight against leonard oh he did oh yeah and, and and that fight and we talked about that that fight losing to leonard really took him out of boxing he was done after that because you know it took him so long to get a title shot. The people who had the title before he had it, uh, Alan Minter and all these guys, they refused to fight him. They would not mm -hmm. fight him. So he had to fight for like like seven, eight, nine, ten years before he got a title shot. And then once he got his title shot, he didn't give up the title ever again. He, he defended it so many times. 50 fights to get to the title fight. Yeah, that's, 50. That's, that's, that's unheard of. And he people, fought anybody. People were posting highlights of the classic three-round fight against Tommy Hearns where it was just one haymaker Man. after another. Man. <laughs> Man. The war. It, it was, that, was, that was probably one of the best three-round fights ever. Yeah. Because you had two of the best pound for pound guys that were deadly at that time. Tommy Hitman Hearns was deadly at that time. And he hit Marvin Marvin's Hegler with like some serious, mm -hmm. like, I mean, they would have knocked out anybody else, but Hegler was just so had such a, a strong will. He refused to lose. And it came from his background, you know, coming up, you know, being, you know, in a poor situation having to fight his way through things. He was just hungry, you know, to wait 50 fights to get a championship, you know, title fight. That's unheard of in boxing. And I'll tell you what. He's city, from Brockton, he's Massachusetts. From Brockton, Massachusetts. I was just going to say that. Uh, and Lord, uh, man, one, there was nothing like. <laughs> hey, you know, Rocky Marciano was from Brockton, just so you guys know. But oh I'm going to tell you, there was not. I was in the city of Boston during and that you time. You met Marvin? And uh, no, but I mean, I felt like I did because the whole city rallied around Marvelous Marvin. We used to watch him train. They had video of him out there. Did you shave your head? No, well, I, I had ready to do that you're now. Already, you're already looking like Marvin right now. <laughs> hey, I had a flock of seagulls haircut back then. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. I'll you no, you didn't. Yeah, I had big curls. Okay, yeah. we we'll need to see a photo on that. On the website. I need to yeah, see we'll a photo see. of that. We'll see. We're talking about Marvelous. So. And I ran. I ran so far away. <laughs> just to get away. Oh, see, you just think I'm a hip-hop guy. Yeah, you, you think I'm a rap and hip-hop yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm a music kind of no, he, he was all over. We were talking about uh, losing your hearing. And Susan thought it was Roger Daltrey. 
And he's like, come on, now it's Pete Townsend. Come I mean, on, this yeah. Guy, he knows classic yeah, I know rock music, and roll. Man, right. He knows hip hop. See, yeah, I know everything, man. He knows man, I, know, I listen to all seasons. of it, man. I listen to all of it, except for Burl Lives. Hey, John, before we get Burl out of here. Burl Christmas songs. Oh, yeah. Show the folks your nice shirt honoring our sponsor, Bubble Up. The Cloud Reimagined. So make sure to download the Bubble Up app. Bubble up. He has a different shirt on every week, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah. You gotta wear it proudly. You know, and he so, never wears the same one twice because you know. Bubble Up gave him like a hundred shirts, only gave us one. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, Bubble Up. Hey, I appreciate wear, it, man. Hey, I wear the Bubble merchandise. Bubble Up, I love you. I, I love wear you. the merchandise. <laughs> he got more merchandise than the rest of us. He's got plenty of swag. There's no question Way about go, it. Way to go, man. Way to go, John. Hey, we want to thank BJ Armstrong. Just a yes. fantastic guest. We had so much fun listening to Stacy and BJ swap stories about their playing days. Just a fantastic <laughs> guest, and I hope you enjoyed that as well. Episode number. 20. You know, your old coach, Doug Collins, was number 20 with his Philadelphia yes, 76. Bernie Kozar. A lot of great uh, number 20s over time. Frank Robinson. Don Sutton. Yeah. Barry Sanders. Mike Schmidt. Michael Jack Smith. Larry the Lobster. Lou Brock, the late great. <laughs> Barry Sanders, we were talking some football. So we thank you so much for listening to episode 20 Woo! of Gimme the Hot Sauce. We want to welcome uh, Pandora aboard. You can find our podcast there as well. We got a new episode coming up next week as we look ahead to the NBA trade deadline coming up on March 25th. Stacy, take us out of here. Give me the hot sauce, baby. <laughs> Drive home safely. Beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs>